This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Friday, February 5th, 2016. I'm Caleb Brown. With Rand Paul out of the GOP side of the presidential race, the field that's left is far more amenable to foreign intervention and war. Chris Preble and John Samples, vice presidents at the Cato Institute, describe what's ahead for the GOP and Democrats. A year ago at this time, it seemed like Rand Paul was going to be a a considerably better candidate than he turned out to be. What happened? Well, uh, I think that for him to get the nomination all along, two things had to happen. Uh, He had to be extremely lucky about the external environment, particularly on foreign policy. Uh, And he had to go from strength to strength in his development as a politician. He had to prove himself to be a kind of political genius or at least to seem to be one. And uh, on the one side, he didn't catch any breaks at all on uh, the external environment and got thrown in on top of everything else, uh, the emergence of Donald Trump who took all the air out of uh, the area for discussing issues. Uh, and then, you know, it's hard to say about him. Uh, people look like geniuses in good environments, but in difficult environments, uh, they don't. And he doesn't seem to have emerged in precisely the way we, I think a lot of us hoped he would. I think his response to the unfortunate external environment that John refers to, which is the uh, starting with the ISIS killings of the uh, the video uh, killings of the Americans, followed by um, the terror attacks in Paris and San Bernardino, um, his response to those attacks, uh, it seems to me, tacked in in the more hawkish direction, and then and then belatedly he tacked back to his more traditional non-interventionist position, um, which is unfortunate for a couple of reasons. One of which, we never really tested in this election cycle the theory that while people are understandably upset at chaos in the Middle East and the continuing threat of terrorism, they are not necessarily signed up for large-scale nation-building operations in foreign countries for decades on end in order to fight it. But that particular insight was never really tested in this election cycle, and I do not think it will be for the balance of the election cycle because I don't think any of these remaining candidates will, will debate that. Uh, I think there's a question out there that I'm afraid I know the answer to, but I'm not sure, which is this is there's the question of the Republican primary electorate, right? And one thought might have been that does not seem to have been true, but one thought might have been that after the electoral failure and political failure of George W. Bush and the role of the Iraq War and so on and all of that, that the electorate might have permanently become uh, or move back more toward a realistic uh, account of international politics, become somewhat less hawkish and somewhat less or at least had openings about where the use of military force wasn't uh, so important in foreign policy. It hasn't been tested, I think, is true because we didn't get very far into this, but it doesn't seem like there was an upswell for uh, what people believed Rand Paul to be. So it may be that George W. Bush permanently or changed the Republican primary electorate for a while. I'm uh, respectfully, I don't know that I agree with that, John. I think if you look at polls of Republican voters, including Republican voters in Iowa, those who explicitly 
endorse a Rand Paul-style non-interventionist foreign policy are within the margin of error of those who endorse a John McCain-style interventionist foreign policy, 45 to 41. Uh, and again, those names were actually used as a, as a kind of marker for, for the different polls within the Republican um, electorate and, the, and especially among very active Republicans, that is Iowa caucus goers. I think the issue is that foreign policy remains uh, a low salience issue, that people don't care about foreign policy as much as they do other uh, domestic policy issues in economics and especially in a, in a state like Iowa, social and cultural issues. And therefore, uh, Rand Paul's one differentiating feature, that is his relative non-interventionism in foreign policy, was not sufficient to make voters want him over other candidates. As pointed out by National Review a couple of years ago now, the neocons have their candidate. Yes. And that's Marco Rubio. Yes. But it's worth pointing out that on matters of foreign policy, the thing that sort of set Rand Paul apart in the GOP primaries was uh, the fact that uh, Hillary Clinton and Marco Rubio are dramatically similar on many of those issues relating to foreign policy. Yes. So if you look at the two interventions of the Obama, uh, crucial interventions of the Obama period, the intervention in Libya in 2011 and the failure or uh, refusal to intervene in Syria in 2013, uh, both Hillary Clinton and Marco Rubio had the same position on both those interventions. Uh, Hillary Clinton was in favor of intervening in Libya to overthrow Muammar Gaddafi, as was Marco Rubio. And in the case of the Syrian intervention, Hillary Clinton, after now having left the Obama administration, was pushing very hard for U.S. intervention, as was Marco Rubio. There is, I think, no meaningful difference between uh, the two leading candidates on foreign policy in uh, in the Republican Democratic Party? Well, there is a difference, and that's actually uh, important about Rubio, I think. The differences are they are from different parties, and Rubio's uh, appeal, and I think what may actually put him over the top ultimately, is that of the three remaining candidates, Trump, Cruz, and Rubio, uh, it's plausible to believe that he would be the most likely one to defeat Hillary Clinton. And in fact, even in these early runs that don't mean a great deal, he has the largest lead over Hillary Clinton. So if, if the most, uh, I think, consistently anti-war candidate, uh, Rand Paul, uh, is out of the race, uh, let's flip that, talk about the Democrats. Uh, Bernie Sanders has been able to make great hay mm -hmm. out of the fact that he did not vote for a particular disastrous uh, expensive, long war that destabilized a region that the United States foreign policy establishment cares a great deal about. Mm -hmm. um, I think event, I think if you look in the the last time this played out in 2007 and 2008, when Barack Obama used Hillary Clinton's vote in favor of the Iraq War uh, and really bludgeoned her uh, with that uh, that vote, uh, it. It definitely helped him win the nomination. Uh, the difference this time around, I think, is that uh, electability starts to creep into voters' ideas. And it was not crazy to believe, obviously, that Barack Obama could not merely win the nomination but actually could be elected president in 2008. Uh, but I think there's still serious concerns uh, among many Democrats about uh, Bernie Sanders' electability in a general election. Yeah, I think there's probably the issue with Sanders now 
reflects the fact that there's concerns about her electability and the fact that she's been on the public stage at a very high level now. You could say if you go back to Watergate, she's been uh, there almost getting toward 50 years. And if not, if you go to her husband's administration, she's really been part of the story for 25 years or so. Um, right. So it's not but, – but it's not her electability but, – but her foreign policy views do not uh, uh, harm her electability in a general election, again, because her views on – her policy views are essentially the same as uh, the, leading, uh, the leading candidate on the Republican side. I do think it is – I think it goes beyond foreign policy. I think we're certainly possible that we're going to end up with uh, two candidates that are quite strikingly similar on domestic policy too. Uh, Marco Rubio represents, I think, uh, he has a voting record that is termed conservative. But reform conservatism is an idea here in Washington. And basically the idea is that the welfare state can be used in various ways and, uh, to help Republican voters, particularly Republican voters with a high school education or down the income ladder. So you may end up with an activist state on both sides and a choice between two candidates. Different people may be benefiting from the domestic activism, but it's, uh, you may end up with the same. I agree. Chris Preble is Vice President for Defense and Foreign Policy Studies, and John Samples is Vice President and Publisher at the Cato Institute. Subscribe to this podcast at iTunes, Google Play, and with Cato's iOS app, and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast. <laughs>